Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to explore another movie. This evening, we are going to take up the movie First Man, which will have us talking about the extraordinary story that is Neil Armstrong. And for this Wednesday evening, I do have Father Mike back in studio with me. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Hey, Joe, it's good to be with you. I know it's been, we were talking earlier, almost a month's time. I look forward to having you back more yeah, often. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I've missed this. It's good to be back in the studio, and it's good to see you. Awesome. So, Father Mike, before we jump into our reflection and commentary into First Man, I need to first make a programming announcement that as of this week and really into next week, there is going to be some changes to Seeds of Truth Radio. Uh, Seeds of Truth Radio is a part of an apostolate I run that is more collectively Seeds of Truth Ministries, and given my commitment to Seeds of Truth Ministries, I'm going to have to scale back some of the radio that I do. Now, don't worry, I hear your deep breaths. Father Mike will continue to be with me each and every <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, I am going to scale back. I'm going to be offering uh, one smaller radio program slash podcast a week in conjunction with this Wednesday evening. But as I do... I know that for many of you out there, you uh, tune in at 5.30 to hear more about the Catholic faith. And in sitting down with my radio manager, Andrew Palmquist, um, we have set out to make sure that while it might not be me every day, there will be Catholic programming for your reflection so that you might better understand the Catholic faith. You know, I've been at this now for 12 years, and I think four and a half, five years on a daily basis. And... I have been in so many wonderful conversations as it relates to the Catholic faith, and, and I don't want that to stop. So I will continue to be present here at uh, KKXX, but as I am, I do have other commitments. So in the end, Father Mike, what that means for me is I'll still be here, but I'll be elsewhere more. So. Well, you know, Joe, I have two thoughts about that, and I guess transitions are always a thing, but I didn't realize it had been 12 years you've been doing this. and. While this is our, it occurs to me that this is our 40th episode uh, talking about movies, which mm -hmm. is actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've really been able to, to touch on a lot, and I know that we're going to continue to do that, so I'm looking forward to that. But I also remember that I, the first time that I was on air with you was 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was 10 years ago. And uh, so, man, you've been at this for a long time, and in a sense... You know, being able to come back and, and be with you again after a decade is kind of cool. I remember that first episode I ever did with you, some of the kids from the parish, the youth group, had dared me. They said, you need to find a way somehow in this conversation to work in uh, the the words peach cobbler. <laughs> and so we're, and we're, somehow, some way, you managed to do that. Yeah, we're talking about the gospel of Luke or something like that. And somehow I was like, you know, Joe, it's kind of like a peach cobbler. 
And I'll never forget the the just the death stare that you gave me across the. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, but Father Chris Fraser was with us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was with us, and I think he also gave you a death stare. But that was more of a like, what on God's green earth are you talking yeah. about right now? <laughs> so I share that first of all by, by way of celebrating the friendship, but also it's uh, this Amen. ministry is something uh, wonderful, and I know that it's continuing in, in somewhat uh, modified form, but uh, it's it's really a. A great thing that uh, you've been doing and are doing. Well, amen to that, Father Mike, and something for our listening audience to look forward to is we are going to take what we do here mm-hmm. um, onto YouTube. Oh, and yeah, we that's have, right. We've been talking about this, and we have a lot of great ideas. It's just not going to be us sitting in a room. We're going to get outside of this space and, and my office space at home uh, into uh, the city, yeah. uh, into the local area, and we're going to be broadcasting from uh, different places, talking about the movies we've been talking about, and I very much look forward to that. It's going to be a project, but certainly a project worthwhile, because in the end, Father Mike, and I know you share this sentiment, it's about facilitating that encounter, and we have to challenge ourselves to think of new ways to facilitate that encounter that we might engage the culture better. Yeah. And there's no better way to do that, I think, than taking what we do here on the radio to the people, literally, and that's what we're going to be doing by way of YouTube. So please uh, look for that. As always, go to joeholcraft.org. Hopefully, yeah. um, we might have our first episode up in a couple of weeks. So please do go to joeholcraft.org. Now, all that being said, First Man. Yeah, great now, movie. Great movie. By my estimation, Father Mike, First Man is probably the closest thing we have in cinema that captures, on one hand, the oh, intoxicating power of space travel, and yet at the same time, the maddening horror. Mm. I mean, <laughs> here you have, and, and you get this right away in the movie, a man strapped to a rocket. Well, in the beginning of the movie, it's, a, it's an X-15 uh, plane, but uh, <laughs> when you fast forward to when he's in the rocket heading to the moon, uh, this man and men strapped to... 30 million horsepower. I mean, from that angle, it's utterly mad that these men are doing it. We might even say it's insane, Yeah, yeah. which is a whole other question because I started to think to myself, is this insane? You know, the word insanity comes from the Latin insanum that literally translates without logic. Hmm. And so I was asking the question, is this quest for the moon logical? And I would even suggest that the movie pushes forward that question. Yeah. Why are we seeking to be the first man on the moon? And I think we will get to that. But yeah, just the the fragility of the enterprise, uh, the hostility of space, and its danger to life. This movie did something for me on that front that was quite gripping. Well, that was one of the first things when we had talked about seeing this movie. That was, and you saw it first. You know, um, that that was one of the first impressions that you shared was just how the the movie captures just the turbulence of being strapped to, as you say, 30 million horsepower uh, rocket. And, um, and not only the, the turbulence of, of the rocket, but the turbulence of, uh, of that time uh, for our nation, the turbulence of this effort and the turbulence of some of the personal dynamics at play that kind of unfold in the course of the film. Yeah, so the film, as you speak to it, Father Mike, can be, I think, framed in this way. There is a focus on two distinct silos of Neil Armstrong's life. His quest 
not necessarily to be the first man on the moon, that eventually happens, but just his quest for the stars, his fascination for the stars, his fascination with space travel, and then his relationship with his family. Mm. And then his relationship with his family. So you have these kind of two realities juxtaposed side by side for us to kind of marinate with. And yeah, as you mentioned, <laughs> the movie wastes no time. It starts with him in this X-15. He's bouncing off the atmosphere and he's trying to re-enter, but he's spinning and he's almost passing out and you don't know if he's going to make it. Jack and I, my wife and I both thought this was a dream of some sort, the way it started. And yet here he was in this test flight, literally bouncing off the atmosphere, trying to re-enter. And the cinematography is really what grabbed me from the beginning to the very end, Mm. because what it captured Father Mike was the turbulence. You know, so often we look at the rockets take off and, and there's something almost pristine and, and majestic about it that we forget there's a man inside yeah. who is bouncing around, who's needing to hit buttons, you know, for, for his own safety. And in the cinematography, in the very intimate, I dare say, cinematography of the focusing in on his eyes and, and what he sees as he's spinning around in the rocket and how he has to somehow gain control of the rocket by the button he, he buttons he hits is striking. Yeah. You know, so as the movie starts, he's having to hit all the right buttons, all the right switches to re-enter. And he eventually in the opening scene, he lands safely in Mojave Desert. I think it's, what, 1961 when this test flight happened. And so from the very beginning... Uh, the director and the screenwriter really afford us a different kind of glimpse into the reality of what space travel is all all about. Like I say, there's this almost intoxicating power to it, and yet at the same time, a maddening horror that has you gripped uh, in this movie from beginning to end. And as you mentioned, the cinematography really captures that. I just want to point out that you used the word, we have to marinate, and that's my word. Okay. (laughs) So I I don't want to get turbulent with you. Uh, But you know, a couple of things strike me. I I really uh, can appreciate that juxtaposition of the kind of um, the turbulence of the interior world or the interior experience of the astronaut and then the serenity of watching this thing shoot off into space from a distance and, and even the excitement of it uh, without maybe a real appreciation of the danger that that must involve. Mm, mm. I, uh, you know, because we're in this kind of von Balthasarian world here with, uh, the, with the world stage, he has such a great line in, uh, in The Glory of the Lord. He speaks of a man living in the world before God, but he also says that man himself is a world before God. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it really does speak to the uh, the tumultuous nature sometimes of the interior world. And one of the things that's come across for me so clearly so many times uh, in my ministry over these few years has been that, uh, you know, it's easy to look at another person and with this kind of general sense of tranquility, oh, they're living their life, they're doing their thing, this person seems to be doing better than I am or more at peace than I am. But I, I often get to a glimpse to the inside the cockpit, so to speak, and and um, this juxtaposition juxtaposition just really resonates with me in terms mm. of the appearances, uh, but but um, all of the turbulence that goes on uh, in the inner world that is your where you live and where I live. Uh, so that that really um, it really strikes me. You know, people are really struggling, and mm. it's just uh, scripture put it so so well. Uh, God himself, God alone, looks into the heart and maybe sees what what's happening inside mm. the cockpit. Amen. The other question that this provokes for me is just, um, 
why the quest? Why the drive to strap oneself to uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds of rocket fuel, <laughs> you know, and yeah. shoot oneself off with yeah. no promise yeah. of ever coming home? Yeah. I mean, what is that? It certainly uh, can't simply be a desire for fame or notoriety. And as we might discuss later, I mean, in a sense that uh, notoriety left this man uh, kind of fragmented. It didn't. It didn't bring whatever one might hope it would bring. So this uh, this human ingenuity, this human longing to kind of break across to the other side or to get to the beyond. Yeah. That uh, longing for the stars, uh, the for the extraterrestrial. Yeah. Uh, does that speak in some way to uh, man's longing for the transcendent? Does it speak to his capacity for? Uh, for mystery, all the the need by which one puts life, family, everything he's known, every security behind, or at least rolls the dice on those things, for the sake of finding oneself standing somewhere else. Yeah, uh, I think that that speaks to something uh, very existential in human nature, and maybe there's something sacramental about that. Yeah, it's interesting because as you are talking there, Father Mike, I'm reminded of really the emotional center of this movie. There's really two phases to the life of Neil Armstrong, the more I read about him. And certainly, I think on one hand, this is captured in the movie. He lost his youngest daughter, or his, his only daughter, Karen, at a very young age. I think she was like one to a brain tumor. And this devastated him. And in many ways, this was the emotional center of the movie that carried the whole narrative. And it's interesting, on the day of her funeral, he locked himself in a room, and he just wept. Neil Armstrong, he just wept. And this is well before he, his quest to be the first man on the moon. And he has this bracelet that says Karen on it. It was very moving. As a father, it was emotional for me, having sure. two daughters. Sure. And even talking about it, there could be an emotion to it because you can appreciate the love a father has for her daughter, his daughter. And so there he is weeping, and he takes this bracelet that says Karen, and he puts it away. And if you're to fast forward to when he's on the moon— mindful that this whole movie has been a struggle for him to heal, if you will, with his daughter's death. Hmm. Uh, maybe you can say that the whole movie is carried by Neil Armstrong's need to come to grips with his daughter's death. And so there he is on the moon, and he pulls out the bracelet, hmm. and he throws the bracelet into this crater in the moon, hmm. and he's weeping again. Yeah. And so in this first phase of his life, one might even say that although, as we talked earlier, there was a certain fragmented nature to his life because he was so caught up in the stars, he could never be present to his wife and family, there was a certain healing that was going on. Early on in the movie, there's a scene where he takes his little miniature telescope and you know he, he lets Karen look through it and she sees the moon. Hmm. And so every time from there on, he's looking out at the moon, one can imagine that He's thinking about Karen. Yeah. And the movie highlights that he's not opening up to his wife, Buzz Aldrin, and those closest to him. He's not opening up to anyone. He's, he's keeping it um, close to his vest. And yet he gets to the moon and you sense a healing taking place. Hmm. It's a very powerful moment. But yeah, you're right in what you were saying earlier um, to the true story of Neil Armstrong 25 years after July 21st, 1969. Uh, he divorces his wife, and part of that was because of his inability to be present to his wife after he was the first man to land on the moon. You yeah. know, what else is there, right? Yeah, yeah. We say, well, maybe climb Mount Everest, but I don't know. Being the first man on the moon is bigger than even climbing Mount Everest, sure. right? Yeah, th there's something there about his struggle post-moon. 
But something we ought to be present to is in the movie, there's this beautiful dynamic, and I dare say beautiful, because although it was hard to watch at times, it was very human. You know, I love that you brought in Von Balthasar and that we are a world before God, because this movie did a, a striking job of communicating Neil Armstrong's world, just not his quest for the moon, but the struggle to be present with his family. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to just share briefly a story because it it's uh, so resonant with me. We talk about you know the struggle to be present. The the movie kind of opens up with this uh, staring towards the moon motif, longing to be there through the telescope, and then the healing when he's on the moon itself. But to some degree, his inability to come back. I uh, one of the the great heroes of my life. I've I've talked about him before, Father Pascal. I remember. At his funeral, another one of the monks got up and gave a eulogy, and they said, Father Pascal always longed for the big city. Mm. That's what he wanted. He came from Boise, Idaho, he, and he saw the biggest and the most ancient cities of the world. So is Boise the big city? or No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. He says, but he always spoke of in 60 years of, of the big city, and he went to every big city, Rome, everything else. Mm. He says, but it was, and, and in the eulogy, he kept giving the population of all of these cities that Father oh. Pascal visited. He says, but it was in Mount Angel, the city where the monastery where he lived was is the smallest city he ever lived in, mm. that that's where he turned his gaze to the eternal city. Mm. You know, and it just, like uh, it struck me that in this, in, in the quest for that which is greater and which is beyond, perhaps we most turned our eyes toward the other or the greater by way of, of a qualitatively new presence to maybe what's most small or what's most particular to me, uh, my internal world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you have the telescope staring at the moon, but uh, when he's standing on another world, uh, he's celebrating somehow or healing what was lost at home. And that uh, maybe the the great leap that he wasn't completely able to make was to step back, you know, to come home. To step back and, and, I dare say, to echo his own words, um, to take one small step, right? Because yeah. what does he say? And I think this really crystallizes your point. He says, one step for man, a giant leap for mankind. No, as he highlights and, and what has since been reaffirmed, he said, one small step for a man, mm -hmm. one giant leap for mankind. His small step to really dovetail what you were talking about, at least for the movie. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't know how true this is, but, but maybe we could say for the movie, as we comment on the movie, was the step he took, just not on the moon, but to reconcile himself within with the loss of his loved one, with the loss of Karen. And it's amazing. This is such a, a stunning, stirring testimony to how far man is willing to go and what he's willing to risk to uh, jump from to take a step from earth to a celestial body. Mm. And yet when he comes back, he's uh, standing facing his wife, separated by a small piece of glass. Which, and that's, oh, it's one yeah. small step. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just, mm. the juxtaposition there mm. between uh, two separate worlds, uh, this man and his wife. Yes. Uh, versus the, uh, the thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and rocket fuel and everything to take some other kind of step. There's just a, a powerful powerful juxtaposition. Mm. As I shared with you, when I came out of the movie theater, Father Mike, I said, you know, when you go to see the movie, take note of the ending scene, which is nothing more than, you know, after he came back from the moon in fear of disease, he was quarantined for a month. So there he is in quarantine and 
she comes in on the other side of this, you know, glass wall, basically. And they're just staring at each other. Mm. And my wife and I were kind of joking. You know, what is she to say? Because this whole movie has been, again, about the struggle. They portrayed Neil Armstrong as a very stoic man who was very introspective, constantly asking the internal question. Yes, questions about the moon and the stars and all that, but also what is life with death all around me? Because Mm. he lost all of his closest friends, Mm. you know? And so he was made to ask that question. And finally, he was the first man to land on the moon. And there he is in quarantine. And they're just staring at each other with great joy because they haven't seen each other in weeks. No. What is she to say? So how was the moon, hun? No, because the movie, ironically enough, was more about the first man on the moon. And I just think just visually, it's such a powerful image. Again, taking the von Balthasarian image that man himself is a world before God, you know, that um, how difficult it is, even in relationships where there isn't serious conflict to speak of, how does one uh, make that seemingly infinite step between my interior world and yours Mm. in such a way that I might really be present to you and love you and accompany you? Mm -hmm. And and I think to be human is to be aware of the fact that... um, there is, a, there is some kind of distance that I can't traverse, mm-hmm. and no amount of rocket fuel, no amount of self-disclosure, no amount of sharing is ever going to like completely get me there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this idea uh, of taking a small step, um, which also on some level is a giant leap, that, that to me is just so, um, I don't know, dr- it's so dramatic in, in the scene that uh, yeah, the man's gone to the moon and back, for God's sake. And yet uh, there is this very visual, very tangible separation mm. between uh, his world and the world of his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, Romano Gardini, a popular theologian who was very important to John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and even Pope Francis, once said that we need to aspire towards the virtue of recollection, mm. because life itself is just a series of events we are, where we are being dragged along from one thing to the next with no real serious reflection into who we are and what we're doing and, and why we're doing what we're doing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he says, so we have to find that space of levity. And I couldn't help but think of Romano Gardini <laughs> when watching the end of the movie because Neil Armstrong was being dragged along from one thing to the next, and he found his levity, literally speaking, as he's up there in space. Mm. And it was when he was up there in space it was when he took that first step on the moon that he found his space mm. to be able to see what he needed to see. There was a whole lot of turbulence, as, as we've been talking about, Father Mike. But on the other side of that turbulence was just not levity, but I dare say freedom. Mm. Freedom to, to become the man that, that he was to become as he was letting go, as, as he found himself reconciling with, with the loss of his daughter. Uh, something we should highlight was that Neil Armstrong was a man of faith. Mm. The movie did not portray this at all, unfortunately. Yeah. We have to remember that one of the first things he said when he was up there was, in the beginning, God created, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And there he is looking at God's creation like no one has ever looked at God's creation, reading to us sacred scripture, Genesis chapter Isn't 1, verse amazing? 1. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And so to that end, to that end, one can say space travel gives you a new vantage point, one from which the soul might be able to recollect, I yeah. dare say. 
Well, and in quite a striking way. I can't imagine what that would be to look out and see all of humanity mm. from there. Well, and there was a lot of that going on, him being on the moon and looking back, or even in his quest to the moon, or they also highlighted his space travel on Gemini 8, looking back and seeing the yeah. Earth. So his quest to be up in space was always, you know, side by side with his life back on Earth. Yeah. And again, the cinematography did a beautiful job of doing that. But what's really interesting, too, is it just wasn't the vantage point of Earth and Gemini 8 or the rocket he was in. It was him inside the module, him inside the cockpit, him looking out this little tiny window mm. and seeing Earth. Yeah. So this is his vantage point, And that's the thing. It's not necessarily our vantage point. It's his vantage point, and that, I think, was the great insight, oh, cinematically speaking. And that's such a wonderful image that can be so much explored. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I think one of the great lines of the movie for me, um, you know, speaking of the turmoil of, uh, and the, the, the quest, is uh, he makes a comment, he says, we need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. Yeah. And um, I just found that to be so um, rich with meaning for me. Oh, yeah especially as we, as we struggle along the way, that somehow that is the, you know, grace is very oftentimes uh, that gifted struggle, you know, the, the, need, the need to wrestle, which doesn't feel much like we, we expect grace ought to feel. But um, for whatever reason, that really stuck out for me. Yeah, it's St. Augustine, life is but a struggle in grace, right? Life is but a struggle in grace. And, you know, so often we look at failure as the end, as opposed to a means to an end, Right. I can't help but think of Archbishop Fulton Sheen that we have to enter into, into God's arithmetic where the subtraction is the addition, the failure is the good, mm. because it is in failing that, as Neil Armstrong said, that allows us to, yeah. to advance in, in our quest. And of course, what we're talking about here is, allegorically, our quest for God. So to take that quest back and maybe to wrap us up, I think that you know this long debate we've had, and the, and the, the debate that's been long had. Did Neil Armstrong say one small step for man or one small step for a man? And I think that we look to his interpretation, and he seems to believe that he said a man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but this movie picks up on that kind of dual thing too—the individuality of his perspective looking inside the window, but but always with reference back to Earth, back to all. You know that there's there's kind of this inseparable connection. Uh, what one unique human person does and one unique person's perspective and interior world, and yet always with reference to mankind, the whole. Yes, yes. Um, what we do, but what we do always oriented towards all. Yes. I think that cinematically that, that uh, interrelationship, it just comes out so beautifully in the movie, and it says a lot to the small steps that we take um, as individual men, as individual women, and maybe the question Am I orienting my life uh, both forward towards what is beyond me, but also with reverence and, and a, an orientation towards uh, where I'm from and who I'm with? Well said, Father Mike, and we can even take this one step further, that our whole life, mm. our whole life is but one step. Mm. One step that is a gift to, to mankind. Yeah. You know, we talk about taking one step forward, 10 steps back. As long as we're taking one step in the end, that's a step forward for mankind. And yeah. I think that's, that's the essence of, of what's to be had here. We have to remember, you know, in the words of St. Francis of Assisi, to sanctify society, we must first sanctify self. 
I think that's a powerful, powerful message, regardless of creed, that one could really uh, wrap one's life around. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton was asked the question, what's wrong with the world? And expecting this great, long reflection, he simply says, I am. Mm. I am. And that's the response to that great question, if we're going to take the steps we need to take, which in the end just might be one small step, but a giant leap for mankind. Amen. 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 All right, Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Lord God, you'd call on each of us to uh, take small steps towards you uh, in the name of all. And so we ask you to bless those efforts. Uh, Be present as peace in the turbulence of our lives and pour out your blessings. You who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So just by way of postscript, uh, please stay tuned for future programming, okay? Uh, Just not for the local listening audience here, Father Mike, but also in relationship to the podcast. Um, There will be podcasts forthcoming, and so I just say to you, stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.